News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Happy Monday. Well, except if you're the superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. Yes, uh, the Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, just before we got on the air here, the hour before um, uh, started the program, uh, WBT Radio, the news department, Brett Jensen, breaking the news that uh, the superintendent for Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools, Ernest Winston, has been uh, told to resign or they're going to fire him. And that's going to come down in 24, 48 hours. I'm guessing school board meeting tomorrow night might be when it happens. If they fire him, they can fire him for cause or for convenience. If they fire him for cause, well, you kind of got to have some cause. Now, I would submit that the uh, firing for cause would have been him getting, you know, hired in the first place. And so the for cause I would submit would be you have no experience here. It was our mistake in hiring you, but that's enough cause for me. Like I would... I, I would try to make that case. I don't know if it will fly or not, but I would try to make the case. So what's probably going to happen, Jensen says, is that it's going to go uh, firing by uh, or for convenience. So in other words, uh, we just don't like you anymore. It's not working out. It's not you. It's us. We hope we can still be friends. We wish you the best in your future endeavors. Look. I have been on the receiving end of the the termination of contracts uh, twice in radio. Not fun, especially if you don't know it's coming. But I think Winston knew this one was coming. And apparently, he had given his resignation several months ago or something. He resigned and then took it back, which I thought we had state law. That was clear. No backsies. I thought that was clear, but apparently not. So apparently you can give a letter of resignation and then take it back, and then you're not resigned. It's like you didn't even, it didn't even happen. I don't know why the school board wouldn't have accepted it either. If there's this kind of sentiment against him, then why wouldn't you have accepted it immediately? Oh, that's right. COVID. Jensen says that three different school board members told him that the reason they didn't fire him back in January of 2021 when his contract was up was because COVID there was all this disruption and uh, you know, nobody knew what was going on. And so they didn't want to, you know, didn't want to change horse midstream basically. Right. That was the argument. That was the excuse is what that was. That was the excuse. School boards, man, I tell you, <laughs> look, my take on this is it like this is the model. The problem is the model. People who are are you know thinking, "Oh, well we can find some other superintendent or we can elect better school board members and that'll fix it." No, the problem is the model. You guys are just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. There has been a slow and steady degradation of the quality of superintendents. I'll never forget the school board member, Jim Puckett, at the time, when they were trying to get rid of one of the old superintendents, he said, you know, one of the problems is once you get rid of one of these guys, the guy you get in next probably is not going to be better. It's rare that you find someone better than the guy that's leaving, because usually 
the person you're now replacing is coming. It's like Charlotte Mecklenburg. It's now a bigger school district because it keeps growing. And as a bigger district, it's now more attractive to these big city, big jurisdiction superintendents. And the average, the shelf life on a big city superintendent, it's like four years. It's like three and a half, four years. It may have gone up a little bit during the pandemic. But this is what usually happens. I've gone over this before where you, you show up. First day on the job, and you do your listening tour. You got to go around, listen, 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 listen to parents and the teachers and the unions and the uh, and the elected officials and, well, yeah, maybe the kids. Maybe a couple kids here or there. But all these other people, you got to listen, 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 and then you're like, all right, now I'm going to think this over and listen, okay, and now I'm going to come up with some plans. And then you roll out your plans. Now you spend year two rolling out the plan Doing the PowerPoints, going to, you know, the chamber and the Rotary Club and the, uh, you know, going to all of the teacher union meetings and stuff. You, you spend all your time now hawking the plan, getting by and getting everybody on board, maybe raising some money. Absolutely asking for more money from the county commission during the budget cycle. You do that for your second year. Then third year rolls around. Everybody's like, man, that plan stinks. It's not working. Kids are getting stupider. And so what do we do? We got to fire a superintendent. So the superintendent year three starts working on the resume. That's kind of the the trajectory. That's not to say all superintendents follow that. Hashtag not all superintendents. That's not to say that they all follow that trajectory. But if you go and pull like pre-COVID, if you go and pull the, the average lifespan of big city superintendents, it literally is about three and a half years. And that is the trajectory. And then the smart ones will go to different states and get pension contributions front-loaded in their contracts so they get multiple state pensions that pay them out when they retire. They will make more money in retirement than they made working because they have all of these pensions from all these different places. Oh, and by the way, the kids are still stupid. But it's for the children. Just always remember, all of the administrative bloat it's not a jobs program for educrats. No, no. It's for the children. Let me see some of these. Uh, oh, it's the Pete tweets. Here we go. App, pa- App Patriot Girl says, Pete, CMS board knew Ernest Winston was not qualified when they hired him. That's why they hired him. They wanted somebody weak that they could control who would not rock the boat They got what they wanted, and now they're trying to save their own butts before the election. I think we need to consider that the board renewed his contract so they could pay him off at taxpayer expense after they threw him under the bus. Now, that would be a nefarious mindset and motive, right? You re-up him knowing you're going to fire him, knowing he's the patsy, he's the scapegoat. So you re-up him specifically with the knowledge that he'll take the fall when the scores plummet. He'll take the fall for COVID. He'll take the fall for why CMS is not performing well and why it's failing kids and teachers are leaving. He'll be the scapegoat, and this is his payoff. See, I don't have a mind that thinks like that, let alone to put something like that into motion. I generally default to incompetence. So that's, but yes, it could, it could, it, it likewise could be nefarious. Corruption or incompetence. I tend to lean towards incompetence, particularly when it comes to government schools. But that's just me. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. So do you, think, uh, do you think it's worth it to pay the superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools $300,000 to not work? <laughs> Here's $300,000, just go away. Also, uh, somebody called in earlier um, and asked if there are any other former superintendents that we are still paying as part of their severance packages. Uh, And as far as Mark Garrison and I remember, no, we're not. But it's probably it's we're probably due now to be paying for a second one. It's like. You have to always pay for one severance of the last guy while you're paying the current salary for the current guy. So you always got to be paying two superintendents at all times. So maybe that's where this is headed. No, I'm kidding. That's not a policy. Although, I mean, it does seem to be in line with recent experience. Um, $300,000. Do you think we should be paying that to the superintendent to make him go away? I don't think you can fire him for cause unless there's something that's going. I mean, well, let me me restate that. I don't think this school board will fire him for cause. I think I could probably make a case for cause in that the kids are getting stupider in that you kept the schools closed in that you're too beholden to the teachers union. I think I could, you know, make an argument for those things. I don't know if they would hold up in a court of law. But I think I could make those arguments. But I don't think the school board has any interest in doing that. I don't think the school board wants to cross the local teachers union. That's my suspicion in all of this. It is. That's my suspicion. So we'll, we'll see. But Winston was given apparently this option. You can resign and take 300000 or you can make us fire you. And if we fire you, yes, you're going to get 500000 Seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, he's going to make over half a million dollars for not working. If they fire him for convenience, not for cause, for convenience, he's going to pull down two years of salary for not working. But they they say we're going to then make public the performance reports, our assessments of how you're doing, and what is in those reports that. You think that's going to make it harder for Ernest Winston to get another gig someplace else? Show of hands. How many people think Ernest Winston's going to land on his feet just fine at another school system in some sort of management position? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's, he's going to be fine. And even if he can't find a job, he's getting half a million dollars and he's going to be able to just kind of sit on the beach for a couple of years, let the whole thing blow over. And then in a couple of years, you know, he may very well be the most qualified person to take the helm at another school district someplace else because of the continuing degradation of candidates. <laughs> I don't know. I think he'll be he'll be fine. And unless there's something what is what could possibly be in these performance reports that are going to be worth two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars out of his pocket? Really, a quarter of a million dollar difference is what the school board has apparently told him. That's the deal, 250 k What's in these performance reports? What's in your assessments? 
It's not anything we all haven't already seen, right? Have you seen him speak in front of a civics group, some uh, local organization? I've heard, I've seen him speak, and I've heard other people who have seen him speak, and they all agree, very shallow. It's a very shallow presentation. There's no depth. There's no unique insight. It's just bumper stickers and bromides. That's what he speaks in. It's just this constant tap dancing of, you know, PR buzzwords and phrases. Oh, is that in his performance report? Wow, didn't know he was doing that for the last several years when you hired him. I can't believe I'm, I can't believe that I am on the same page as George Dunlap. (laughs) Which is usually a red flag for me. No, I kid. But uh, but no, not really. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I would be amazed if he resigns. I think he's going to make them fire him. So he gets the bigger payout. Unless, of course, there's something really in those uh, assessments in his personnel file that he really doesn't want to be published. But maybe he then sues and says... You publishing these things harmed my prospects or even saying you were going to do that threatened my prospects. And so then he sues the school district. Oh, maybe we can pay him a million dollars, maybe 10 million in damages. Like the sky is the limit to how much tax money we can throw at the guy who had no experience when he got hired for the top educational position in Charlotte Mecklenburg. Every one of you idiots that voted for him and hired him need to be thrown out of office. Every single one of you actually should resign yourselves in shame. That's what you should do. But you won't because you don't have any. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Pete Callender. Also, the email is Pete at the Pete show.com. Uh Let's see here, uh, which is where I've got this one from JD. He says, if the money was coming from corporate bank accounts and not taxpayer money, the previous resignation would have been accepted. That's a great point. Um, and let's see, Justin says, isn't the... Uh, Isn't this the school board's way of saying, see, we did something. We fired the problem prior to November. Now, that's a good that's a good idea as well, Justin, that uh, maybe the the school board knows the shellacking that is uh, coming for elected officials, particularly school boards around America. And this is their way of trying to insulate themselves from from that uh, uh, from those ramifications. That's possible. You got a lot of the critical race theory stuff that came out, and this was Ernest Winston's bag, along with uh, Tarja Henry, his chief of staff, apparently. I covered the Ibram X. Kendi stuff in the the video in depth, even though they're like, you're not supposed to use a lot of this audio because we signed a contract with Mr. Kendi that said we we would not allow people to use large portions of this. When you watch the video... First of all, there isn't a lot of insightful stuff in the video, okay? His 
his what, what was it like five or six hundred dollars a minute that he was charging. He got paid like twenty, was it twenty or forty grand, tens of thousands of dollars. Let's just say they paid him tens of thousands of dollars to come in and do a Q and A with Sonia Gant about his book, which they had read. They being like the CMS management, all of their mid to upper level managers, and that's what they are. They were all in the book club and they were all reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Kendi. But it's not being taught in schools, everybody. This is, it's not anywhere. Remember, it's critical legal studies. That was at Harvard. It's not even CRT, right? They're, they're idiots or they think you are. That's people who tell you that, that argument, and we've already dismantled that argument years ago, but there are some people that they, they don't know any other argument, so they hear somebody on the left and in education say, you should define it. It's not even taught in schools. There's a story today moving. Uh, it's all over the social media today about uh, teaching race, uh, uh, racial dynamics and uh, uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember what they, the specific term they used for it. But it was in math. It was in math class. They're talking about race relations in math class. Why? Why would you be doing that? There's zero, zero relevance. Math is what it is. But again, as I've gone over with the CRT stuff, it's postmodernism. And at the core of it is the tearing down of the enlightenment ideas. One of those being rationalism. You get at rationalism, you create chaos. People don't know what to believe, who to believe. And then others can take advantage of that situation. Anyway, so that's literally being debated today on the social medias. Um, and so, yeah, maybe the uh, maybe the school board thinks, hey, we toss him under the bus, pay him out a whole bunch of money. He'll be fine. Uh, maybe he even gets to sue the school district and get some extra money because they badmouthed him about what would be in his personnel file if they had to release it or something. I don't know. But he'll be fine. He gets the big fat golden parachute. We then open up a, a search for a new superintendent. And that'll insulate us. It'll help inoculate us from the ire of the masses. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe so. Um, I think there may have been... Hang on a second. Uh, do, 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 do. No, that was it. All right. So the other story, and this was where I was actually going to start. That's why I had Mark Garrison uh, on the show. Because on uh, on Friday, he did uh, that segment on the Black Political Caucus that made its endorsements for local races. And uh, if you ha- if you didn't hear it, go back, listen to the first segment in the first hour, uh, and Garrison uh, talks about that. Or sorry, second segment, he talks about that. Anyway, the Black Political Caucus of Charlotte-Mecklenburg announced its endorsements Wednesday evening. This is for the May 17th primary. Yes, by the way, uh, you can... Request an absentee ballot. Now, that is available for you to do. If you are interested in voting absentee, you can now request an absentee ballot. Uh, early voting starts in like, I don't know, 10 days or something. But uh, the the primary is May 17th. And the list of endorsed candidates in the at-large Charlotte City Council race, it is, well, it's the four black candidates. <gasps> I know, it's so surprising. 
And what the Black Political Caucus has now told us is that they would prefer a 9-11 truther, a criminally convicted for corruption former mayor, and a guy who called cops racists and terrorists, these are the three people that they would prefer get elected because they would best be able to represent black people. That's what they said. That's what the Black Political Caucus said. Because there are other candidates. There's a white guy. He's a Democrat. He's running in the primary. Larkin Eggleston. They didn't endorse him. White Democrat guy. Sorry. Good luck, by the way, being a white male at-large Democrat. Good luck. Um, also, Dimple Ajmira. Hashtag stop Asian hate. Why didn't they endorse her? Because these four candidates were best able to represent what is important to black people. The four black candidates. Even though one of them, Patrick Cannon, was a convicted, corrupt mayor. And now he's going to put a permanent stain on the city of Charlotte because he just wants to find out if we forgive him. So, you know... Worst case scenario is, well, actually, worst case scenario is he wins re-election and then does more corruption and then gets caught further damaging Charlotte. That's that's the worst case scenario. I don't think that's very likely. But I don't know. It could happen. But think about it. Even if he loses, he has still he has still put a stain upon the city because he announced his run. And he's telling us that we have to vote for him in order to forgive him. That's how he's going to test us to see if if we forgive him. I just want to find out. Here's a little note. Just check a box. Do you love me or yes, no, and just send it back. And so that's what he's going to put us through. And worst case is he wins, right? He wins. And so then, yes, I have been vindicated. I come in fourth. What if he comes in, he just barely squeaks by and gets... Gets like the fourth slot on the on the council at large slate. Then he wins, and gets a seat in the in the November election city council. Or actually, it's uh, what July or something, right? Yeah. And now you have besmirched the city. We will forever be known like Marion Barry is forever known for Washington D.C. and they put him back in office. And that's what you're going to do for Charlotte. Thanks so much for that. Way to show that you love the city. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I don't know. I find some of this to be a bit pandery. Pandery? Pandering? It's pandering. This is what it strikes me as. And I may be wrong on this, but this is what it comes off as. Charlotte Axios. Headline, powerful political group endorses former mayor who took bribes. Charlotte's most powerful political organization endorsed a former, wait, the most powerful political? Is there a ranking that I've missed? Where Where are the power rankings on political organizations? Where are they? So the Black Political Caucus 
is more powerful than the Democratic Party? Is that true? That's interesting. Look, maybe they are. I, they never used to be. They were important, don't get me wrong, but they were never the most powerful political organization. And then I see, so, I mean, that's Axios. And Axios, there's, you know, you never go full Axios, but whatever. So, like, that's, that's Axios. So I go over to the Charlotte Observer. And look at their story. Charlotte politicians mounting comebacks pick up key Black Caucus support. The Black Political Caucus of Charlotte-Mecklenburg this week announced its candidate endorsements. Among them is Pat Cannon, who got convicted for taking bribes, led to his resignation as mayor and his conviction and serving about half of a 44-month federal sentence. The BPC's endorsements are expected to continue its long history of significant influence in local elections. Really? How, unless your definition of long history is like the last nine years, basically since I left. When I went to Asheville, the Black Political Caucus, I mean, maybe in the last nine years, ten years, they've become this you know, significant influence in local elections and the most powerful political group. Maybe that is the case and has happened in the last 10 years. But I can tell you it has not had a long history of significant influence. I mean, yes, among Democrats it has. And maybe in the last 10 years, as Democrats took more and more control of the city and the county, Charlotte-Mecklenburg, maybe they've gotten more power. They become more powerful precisely because they're so embedded in the Democrat Party. That's possible. But it wasn't, I mean, they they tried to get that whole uh, $15 minimum wage thing done back in 2001, and that didn't work. So anyway, they have their list of uh, endorsements. Pat Cannon, Lawana Slack Mayfield is her name. She's a former four-term District 3 council representative who lost in a primary for an at-large seat in the last election. She's now running for one of Charlotte's at-large seats. She's the 9-11 truther who also said all cops are, are terrorists. Um, then you got James Mitchell, Smudgy Mitchell. He was a former city councilman. I covered him when he was on council. He had to resign in 2021 so he could take a job at a construction company. Which he then left after like three months or six months, something like that. And so now he's going to run again. And then there's Braxton Winston. Charlotte Observer identifies him as the top vote getter. Dang it. Charlotte Observer. It's Votainer. Votainer. V-O-T. A-I-N-E-R. Let's make this happen. We can be on the map, Charlotte, for creating a word, votainer. Anyway, Braxton Winston got the most amount of votes in 2019, or sorry, 2017. He also has had some problems, uh, accused of uh, whipping up on his wife a little bit uh, during their uh, separation and divorce, that sort of thing. So these are the people that the Black Political Caucus say best represent the interest of the black community. Hence, why they get the endorsements. Who else? Oh, by the way, uh, yes, there are Republicans running 
And uh, no, they did not get any endorsements. The city council, uh, Kyle, uh, Republicans running for the at-large seats, Kyle Lubke, David Merrill, Charlie Mulligan, Carrie Olinsky, and uh, David Michael Rice. So there's going to be a primary over on that side. Oh, and by the way, the Republicans, they're, uh, they're touting this idea back up for the front lines. The project is voluntary and it provides immediate assistance to frontline workers, families who are in emergency situations but might not be able to get a hold of their spouse because their spouse is, you know, walking the beat or is a medic and they, they can't answer the phone. So they act as a surrogate emergency contact. That's a great idea and it's voluntary. 